Ride the Vibes, a refreshing, fun, and informative experience. Join Stephen Winnie on VoiceTube Studios. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Ride the Vibes. This is your host, Steve. And this is Winnie. Today, we're going to be talking about life and death. Mm-hmm. Life and death in the West and in the East. Yeah, we're going to be covering stuff like birth cost, having birth, life after birth, our thoughts on our generation and us having birth mm-hmm. or having children, and what are we going to be talking about with death? Uh, we're going to talk about the traditions and how we do funerals in Taiwan and also in the West. All right, so there's quite a bit we got to talk about here. So let's begin with giving birth. Uh, how much does it cost in the U.S.? All right, so I had to pull up statistics because that's not the kind of information I have off the top of my head, typically speaking. And it cost almost $15,000 on average in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Really well, expensive. Yeah, that's a little bit too expensive. Uh, when, when you first told me how much it costs, I'm like, yo, if, I, if I'm an American, I'm probably not going to give birth. Yeah, and the worst part is, is that basically doesn't change whether you have insurance or not. So even if you have insurance, it's about the same price. You might as well not get the insurance, right? Right. (laughs) Well, in Taiwan, it's a lot cheaper. Um, I think you can spend about $200,000 NTD. That's uh, that's the cheaper price. But the more expensive price is about $470,000. You would spend the the most of your money on the postpartum care center. All right. Now, we might want to explain what that is, because for me, coming to Taiwan, um, I've never had a kid, first of all, but Mm -hmm. this whole postpartum care thing was completely new to me. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, according to Chinese medicine, you know, after when you give birth, your body is going to be very weak. So you're going to need about a month or two to sort of rest and eat lots of healthy and nutritious food to help your body recover. All right. And where do people do that? Where they typically go home or do they stay in the hospital? I think it depends. You know, if you if you come from a richer family, well, you would definitely go to a postpartum care center. And uh, for for the older generation, I think they normally just go home. Uh, Usually their parents would help or their grandparents would help. Okay, and from what I can tell um, from my experience with some of my friends having babies here Mm -hmm. is that these places can be pretty prestigious, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're chosen based on the reputation or the name of where they're going to give you this postpartum care. Based on the reputation and how much money a person can spend. And sometimes it uh, it has something to do with the facilities in the center. Okay, yeah, because I remember my friend had a baby here, Mm -hmm. and his wife stayed there for one month after, and they had nurses that would feed the babies and take care of the babies um, all day while she basically just relaxed and recovered. Mm -hmm. Well, there are other other postpartum services where you can stay at home, and people will deliver meals to your house, and people would come to your place to take care of your children. Okay, so it's a little bit different in Taiwan compared to the USA. Mm -hmm. Do you have postpartum care? Um, I think some people do, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not something that everyone does. Mm-hmm. And I think there's sort of a stigma in the West where uh, they feel like mothers and women feel like they kind of have to go back to work, have to remain strong and sort of return back to their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly some women will take many weeks off of work, but um, mm-hmm. the U.S. is not known for having great um, the U.S. is not known for having great services 
um, after you give birth. So a lot of women kind of have to go back to work within a few weeks of giving birth. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in Taiwan, in the you know in the old times, in the older generation, most of the people because we are a very big uh, agricultural country, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of the women after they give birth, they got to get back to work because they they got to get back to the farming, uh, you know, their their daily work and da- their daily job and stuff. But for now, I think you have fifty um, six work days of maternity leave. That's roughly about eight weeks, and it's paid. But um, if it's parental leave, you get six months off, and it's partially paid. Okay, so six months off is actually quite uh, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. It is quite a long time. You you can actually spend more time with your your children. I think for dads, you you can also take a, a parental leave if you want. Yeah, that's good. I think that's something that's often overlooked. They think, oh, you're the dad. You can just go back to work after you have the baby while mom just stays home. Mm-hmm. But I think that dads deserve to have a little bit of um, vacation. Oh, no, I shouldn't call it vacation. A little mm-hmm. bit of time off to spend with their newborn child and their wife as well. Yeah, because I think a lot, of, a lot of the times we only think about how, you know, mom, how moms should be taking care uh, of the child or, uh, you know, of the children or how they should spend more time with the, uh, with the children. But it's also quite important for dads to sort of build um, a stronger bond with uh, between the, the child, right? Yeah, and I think it's just something that helps mental health. It's not necessarily something the baby will remember, mm-hmm. but I think for the parents it's really special. And I think that fathers... I think that having this idea erased that fathers should just go back to work and shouldn't really be in a motherly role, mm-hmm. um, it's just it's really old fashioned. And I think when we erase that, it's going to improve mental health. It's going to allow the parents to connect better, and mm-hmm. it's just going to make for a stronger family bond. Okay. Now that we've finished talking about how much it costs and how how many days uh, you can take uh, take off. Um, Let's talk about celebration, the happy part. So in the U.S., I know you have baby showers, right? We do, yeah, definitely. Have you ever attended one? I have not. Um, I'm about 30 years old, and most of my friends have not yet had children. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, one of my friends in Taiwan did, but I don't think they did a traditional Western baby shower. Mm-hmm. And I haven't lived in the U.S.A. since I was 25, so I've never actually been to a legitimate baby shower. Yeah, my knowledge um, for baby showers is just basic, basically based on Hollywood movies. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we, we don't really have baby showers, but we do have this ceremony called Draw Lots Ceremony. So what do we do? Um, basically, people get together and, some, uh, and we would put props in front of the baby. So maybe you would have a hammer or maybe you would have um, a pen or an ink, ink bottle, or uh, what is the thing that the doctors use to, to listen to the heartbeat? Stethoscope. Oh, yeah, the, the stethoscope. And you would have that. And the baby would crawl towards all the props in front of, uh, in front of him or her. And um, if he grabs, for example, uh, a pen, then in the future, the baby might become a writer. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of a way that you can potentially determine the strength of your child. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, after the draw lot ceremony, there's also like a full month celebration. Uh, we do have a full month celebration that, um, you know, the parents, they have to give out presents. Usually sticky rice with red eggs and a chicken drumstick. Who do they give those presents to? Uh, to the people who gave them uh, red envelopes or friends and family or anyone who gave them presents. 
And if you're listening out there and you don't know what red envelopes they are, red envelopes in Chinese culture are typically used in traditions like Chinese New Year and after giving birth, and they usually have money inside of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, well, when we were talking about the costs, you know, giving birth, uh, you have to spend a lot of money, but you, you can also take some money back with the with the red envelope. Yeah, so that's actually really good. And I think baby showers are much like um, weddings. You wouldn't give a, a, a gift of money typically to the parents. You'd probably provide the parents with something for the baby, like a toy or mm-hmm. a cradle or some clothes the baby could wear. It's more about gift giving than it is money, though I think both sides have their own strengths. Yes. Well, neither of us have ever had babies, so maybe mm-hmm. we can take a couple minutes and just talk about our thoughts on having babies ourselves and the, maybe the reasons why we haven't had any children. So, Winnie, do you want to start with this one? All right, I can start with this one. So, the reason why I haven't had a baby or how I might not have a baby in the future is that basically, uh, yeah, well, because um, usually I'm, I'm into girls, right? And it's impossible for two girls to have a baby, but... If um, if my partner in the future, she she wants to have a baby, I would be okay with adopting one. Okay. Is that something that you really want to do or is that just a maybe type of thing? No, I always thought, you know, I think if I were a parent, I would be a very, very good parent. Because uh, from my past teaching experiences, I think I'm really, really patient with, with children. And children usually love me. So I think I'll do a great job as a parent. But um, do I really, really want a kid? Um, well, we just talked about how much it costs having a baby. So, um, you know, if I want to have a happy life and a good life, a luxurious life, I might not want to have a baby. Yeah. And actually, I think that's a very common, um, thing to say for people in our generation is, yes, I want a baby, but I don't really have the money to do it. And I don't foresee a time in the future when I will have the money to do it. I need Mm -hmm. to find a career in a way to become stable myself first. Yeah, I think most people now, they want to focus more on their career, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think um, people are getting married uh, later, you know what I mean? Because for my parents' generation, maybe they would get married uh, around 28, 26. But I think now people are getting married maybe after 30. Yeah, and I know um, I feel the same way. Uh, my parents were married when they were about 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents were pretty close to that age as well. And now that I'm actually 31, I'm still not married. And I have felt I felt like I could never afford having a baby at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always been in the maybe category as well, where I'm like, if I can find the opportunity where I think I can take care of a child, maybe that's something I'll consider. But I feel like I have a lot of work to do with myself and my girlfriend before we could ever get to that point. Mm-hmm, that's kind of true. So uh, if we put all of that aside, do you like children? Yeah, I do. I was a teacher for five years, and I can't say I like them 100% of the time. Like mm-hmm. They can certainly do things that will make you very frustrated. It will test your patience a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're really fun. I really love that children are like little sponges. Everything you do and say, they try to learn and copy from, and they're just eternally curious. They want to know everything. Mm-hmm. And I really love the ability to transfer magical experiences and lessons to children and have them just appreciate the world um, in a way that I can relate to. You know what? I already think you're going to be an awesome dad. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we're done talking about giving birth, it's time for us to move on to the death part. Let's um, maybe have some introduction on the, the funerals on both sides. All right. So in the West, this is actually kind of a multi-step process. 
-hmm. We start off with something called a wake. And Mm -hmm. the wake is usually done a few days before the funeral. And usually they'll open the casket so you can see the body of the deceased or dead member. Mm -hmm. And you can see the body one last time. Uh, You can grieve or cry with your family. And it's just kind of kind of one last chance to have a gathering with your family, uh, with the deceased there in o- in the open. Mm-hmm. Does Taiwan have something like that? Or? Yeah, I think we do, but it's way more complicated. So uh, usually, um, it, and it also depends on how rich the family is. You know, if you have uh, if you have a bigger family or a richer family, or if you live in the countryside, I think you would spend more time before uh, you know the whole funeral process starts. There is the ceremony called Shouling, guarding the spirit. So, um, you know, people would take turns guarding the body. Uh, you know, this represents that they're protecting the spirit from getting harmed. Wow. So there's actually a very, very spiritual element there that's somewhat superstitious, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember years ago, uh, one of my relatives from Taoyuan, well, they're in the countryside. So um, I think people were doing this shouling type of thing. And um, so they they actually have a casket in the back and then on the side they kind of have like a like a tent or something and they have meals in there and people just get together. So it's kind of similar to uh, what you were you were saying. Okay, yeah, but yours sometimes in Taiwan I see that type of thing right in the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens in the street, and there is this thing that um, you know if you walk past it or if you're just driving by, uh, your parents or people might tell you to not look at mm-hmm. that direction. Yeah, I was told that same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I never understand why when I was younger, and I think mm, from from my parents they kind of just they they refuse to tell me why, so they're just like scaring me. They're, they, they, they never explain why. So I'm like, okay, don't look at that. Because if I look at that, I may, I may get, you know, messed up or something. Bad luck might happen. Bad or luck. Like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, moving on. Then after you have the wake, uh, you have the actual funeral ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, this will take place inside either a funeral hall, funeral hall mm-hmm. or if you're a religious family, like maybe a Catholic family like mine, mm-hmm. um, it might take place inside a church. Mm-hmm. And there might even be some crazier places where they happen nowadays with more modern modern families. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But um, in this time period, it's a time where you don't see the body. Mm-hmm. Typically, there will be a priest and you will have people come up and give what's called a eulogy mm-hmm. where people in the family can go up and tell a story about the person who had died and basically talk about the good parts of that person's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have the eulogy part, but um, sometimes it's mm, it's not really from like a family member. It could be uh, it could be someone uh, prestigious. It could be uh, a legislator. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a Li Fa Yuan, or it could be uh, a Li Zhang, like a village chief or like a mayor. Okay, yeah. So in the West, anyone can go up there and uh, say a eulogy. Like I think I even did it um, for my grandfather's funeral when I was a mm-hmm. teenager. Mine was pretty short. It might have only been like 30 seconds. But um, if you feel the courage and you want to do it, you certainly can. Yeah, I think it, in, in Taiwan, you can if you want to, but mostly it's just someone prestigious uh, okay. representing the family or something. So it's a little bit more formal. Mm-hmm. It's it's more formal. And um, I think something interesting that you might want to know is that um, because Taiwan is a very traditional based um, country, we have lots of culture from you know ancient times and also religious culture so sometimes even christian um 
funerals, the, we would have some traditions from, uh, let's say, Maybe Taoism. Dao, yeah. Dao, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's it's really cool, actually. So it's kind of a meshing of different religions, mm-hmm. maybe like Taoism, Buddhism, mm-hmm. Christianity all together. Yeah, for example, um, my uncle had recently passed away, and we uh, we had a funeral. Um, we're we're a Christian family, so we had a Christian funeral. But um, in the end, we gave we gave him three big deep bows. And that's a Taoist ritual. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a Taoist ritual. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Moving on to the burying or the burying ceremony, mm-hmm. um, typically that won't happen on the same day. They don't mm-hmm. bury the body or the ashes, depends how they want to go out, mm-hmm. but um, they won't bury the ashes or the body the same day as the funeral. Usually this is done a few days to a week after, mm-hmm. and they'll have people called pallbearers that are dressed in suits, and they will carry the coffin with the dead body to the funeral, I mean, sorry, to the cemetery mm-hmm. where they will put it in the ground. Yeah, I think it's the same. Um, in Taiwan, I think we call it li yishi, funeral directors. Um, uh, and usually I think we have more cremation than sort of burial ceremony. Is that how you call it? Yeah, so cremate, cremating the body basically just means that you burn the body and mm-hmm. turn it into ashes rather mm-hmm. than having the whole body put underground. Yeah, and um, after that, we would keep the ashes in a tower or in a building, usually in the mountains or uh, by the sea, because that represents good luck. So I found this out the hard way in Taiwan. I I thought it was just a part of a temple, Mm -hmm. and I walked in this temple and started going up the stairs. Mm -hmm. I made it to about the fourth floor, Mm -hmm. and this guy had told me, he's like, you can't be here, dead Mm -hmm. body, ancestors. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, here, you can't go, ancestors. So I assume this is where they had put the ashes, and I had accidentally uh, walked into a place I wasn't supposed to go. Yeah, I think usually the to- uh, the towers, they they do look like temples. But there are different towers. Um, so, for example, the, the towers for Taoism or maybe uh, Buddhism, they would look like temples. But uh, for regular ones, they would kind of just look like, um, you know, a regular building or something for, for Christians and, and, and something else. Okay. To be fair, that was my first six months in Taiwan. So I was much less familiar with, well, everything. <laughs> but the guy did a very good job describing. I mean, he used the word ancestors. He did. He used that exact word, mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in Taiwan, uh, or you call it uh, the Chinese culture, when somebody passes away, they automatically become your ancestors. Oh, anybody. Not even, they don't have to be related to you. Mm-hmm. No, it's really cool, actually. It's very kind of like a life force of the world or something. Yeah, the guy had pretty good English, I would say. I Maybe. I mean, I'm, that, he kind of just said that, but I got the message very fast and I went right outside. <laughs> well, I guess the last thing we can talk about with the funeral process is there's sometimes a luncheon and a gathering. Mm-hmm. Um to be fair, when I, my grandfather passed, I don't remember having this. Uh, maybe I was I was in school, so maybe it's possible that my father and uncles and aunts went to this, mm-hmm. and I did not. So it's typically a time where the family will meet up, and they'll have a luncheon together, and they'll just chat and maybe have uh, one last chance to bond before kind of moving their separate ways back to their normal lives. Yeah, I think we do have the same thing, but it's only for family members, right? So maybe no friends, just family members. But I think for the people, for the guests that came to the funeral, we give out little lunch boxes with uh, pastries or maybe a little little juice box. And then we also give out towels. 
towels. Is there a reason for that? All right. So the reason why um, the families give out towels is because, um, you know, in the in the ancient times, when you go to the funerals, you would cry very, very hard. So you would have handkerchiefs or towels for you to wipe away your tears. Uh, okay, so there is a little bit of cultural reference there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of crying, do you know that we have actually crying ladies for funerals? Like you can hire them and they get paid. So you told me this part. Naturally, I'm really glad you brought it up because I think this is really interesting. So I want you should tell the listeners about this. Yeah, so um, uh, the crying ladies in in, ta- uh, in Chinese, you call it xiaonu. So they basically cry very, very hard, and you know y- you got to pay them, right? Because they're hired. Um, sometimes it, y- they have to cry for a very, very long time, like hours and hours of just crying. So this is actually um, a job that people do. I'm thinking about trying this. How much money can I make? I have no idea, but <laughs> quite a lot, I think, because. Because, you, you know, crying is like it takes up a lot of of, of your energy and stuff. So I, I, I imagine they would get paid very well. Okay. So okay. now back to the towel. Um, for, if you receive towels, normally people would feel like it's bad luck so they wouldn't use it. But it's fine. I mean, the towel is just basically a way for the families to show appreciation to the guests. Uh, okay. So there's actually a little bit of differences. There's some differences that are pretty big between the Western and, uh, I guess we'll say, Taiwanese um, mm-hmm. funeral process. The last thing we'll talk about is the cost. Mm-hmm. We talked about the cost of childbirth, so it makes sense we talk about it here. And um, the average for North American traditional funerals costs between 7000 and $10,000. Mm-hmm. Well, that's still quite a lot. It is. I think for for Taiwan, uh, according to the uh, the information I, I I got on the internet, it's roughly about the same as giving birth. It's about uh, three hundred thousand. Um, uh, that's like an average. But it really depends on how many different uh, traditions you want to sort of include in your funeral. So, for example, we do have this other tradition where you uh, fold origami or, or origami crane, uh, mm-hmm. and it actually has a meaning in the in the back because um, in Taiwan we say jia he gui xi. Do you know what that means? Um, it sounds like turtle or something. So he is actually crane, right? So when people die, they ride uh, they ride uh, the cranes to the west. So um, I think in, in Western culture, we say heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But um, in, in Chinese culture, we say the West. So the West is heaven. Yeah, the West basically means heaven. Is there a reason for that? Um, I think it, it's from like stories in, in the, the folklore. Um, so basically, for example, when... Do you know Sun Wukong? You know, the monkey, the magical monkey? Yeah, the story, I know the English story is called like yeah. Sayuki Journey West. Mm-hmm. Very famous Journey to the Chinese West. story. Yeah, so so it has something to do with the, the stories from ancient times. Uh, okay, pretty mm-hmm. interesting. You know, but I think that going back to the cost, in mm-hmm. the West anyway, I think that this is a much easier um, cost than mm-hmm. in for birth because... The whole family can kind of chip in some money to make sure the funeral goes well, mm-hmm. rather than a couple basically paying for everything. Yeah, that's definitely true. And um, you know, in 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 Taiwanese tradition, or let's say Chinese tradition, um, so so as I mentioned earlier, in uh, in weddings and in giving births, we give uh, we give out red envelopes, right? But during funerals, we give out white envelopes. And these white envelopes also have money in them. Yes, they do. So you will you will take some money back. So I think it sort of balances balance it out. Hmm, interesting. There's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of envelopes in Chinese culture. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. If you're like me, you definitely learned a lot. I learned a lot about the Taiwanese side of things that I didn't really know before. So, Winnie, thanks for sharing all of that information. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I learned a lot myself today because, uh, yeah, well, I, I know these traditions, but normally they just happen in, in my life, you know, and you wouldn't really look behind and see uh, the meaning behind it. Yeah, that was the same way I felt in the West. You know, as someone who has not had a baby and someone who's only experienced, I think, two funerals, it's not something I have thought about a ton. So I did do a little bit of research as well. Mm-hmm. That's why we love doing these podcasts, because um, as you guys are learning, we're also learning. Yep. So, guys, we'll see you guys next time for our sixth episode. All right. See you next time. Peace. <laughs> Peace. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. We're happy you enjoyed the show. We want to take our conversations around the world to reach more listeners. It would be totally awesome if you could like, share, and subscribe. Please turn on the notification bell so you won't miss a single episode. And definitely get in contact with us if you have anything you want us to talk about in the future. See you next time, and once again, thanks for listening.